You're listening to the podcast series for the 2017 Shalom Sydney Jewish Fighters Festival. Rosenblum to the Shalom Sydney Jewish Writers Festival podcast. Hello, Henry. Hello. Henry, um, you're an author, but you're also a publisher, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to the authoring part uh, next, but tell me, how did you get into publishing? Um, well, I'm not quite sure uh, myself, but essentially what happened was a little bit over 40 years ago, um, I'd been working in the Whitlam government and um, I knew I was going to resign at the end of its period of office. As it turned out, I and hundreds of other people lost our jobs on November the 11th, 1975. But anyway, in the course of 1975, I thought I, I, I would like to try my hand at publishing, so I registered a business name, Scribe Publications, and I wrote down... Um, not exactly a business plan, literally on the back of an envelope. I wrote down the kind of books I, I was interested in. I, I wrote this phrase down, serious non-fiction, and I then wrote a series of topics that I was interested in. This went back be, to my time as a student journalist and a student newspaper editor and as a freelance writer for Nation Review. So I was very interested in a whole range of public policy issues and um, I'd been an editor virtually since I could read. I've been an editor in high school and obviously an editor at university. And it just seemed like something I should try, but there was no real plan to it. So who was the first author that you got on board? Uh, a, a, an unknown bloke called Henry Rosenblum, <laughs> who, who wrote a short book called Politics and the Media about his experiences in the Whitlam government in the area of media policy. You found it easy to push this Henry Yeah, surprisingly there was, wasn't much competition at the time, believe it or not. There were very few books on the subject. It's called Politics and the Media. And it's a subject which has, um, I suppose, occupied me ever since. It's been interesting to reread that book. Yeah, yeah. well, the details are completely out of date, of course, but I suppose the essential analysis and argument may still bear reading. Now, miracles do happen. Tell me about Felix and Fellow Rosenblatt. Well, it's it's a remarkable story um, intrinsically, and it's sort of remarkable that that the book exists, I think. What I mean intrinsically is that my parents, uh, Felix and Fellow, lived in the same street in Lodge before the war. More than that, my mother was best friends with one of... Felix's two sisters and um, she didn't think much of Felix to start with but as they both got a little bit older moved a little bit older and moved into their sort of teenage years they started to like each other's more and by the time the war erupted I think they were boyfriend and girlfriend romantically that they were keen on each other um, and I suppose the first miracle of the book is that while nearly all of their families on both sides were wiped out, they managed to survive the war and they managed to find each other after the war and they managed to marry and they had me. So that was the first miracle. Um, The second miracle, I suppose, was how 
my mother in particular managed to survive, she survived Auschwitz, not just Auschwitz, but the last 17 months of Auschwitz's existence, including the death march out of the camp. And she survived it through, apart from anything else, and there's, there's various things that happened, of course, the miraculous intervention of a woman who befriended her, literally miraculous intervention. And in fact, that woman became a very close friend of my mother's, and she's still friendly with the grandchildren of that woman, who's no longer alive. Um, the next miracle was, I suppose, that they managed to um, come to Australia and forge a, a positive and meaningful life and um, act as though things were normal and OK. And it's, it's a common thread, you know, that the trauma of the Holocaust is in the new country, being Australia, US, Israel, whatever, mm. is sort of literally pushed under the carpet. But it, it, it does come out, doesn't it? It's, it certainly does come out. And um, I suppose... I didn't quite, I suppose, spell out the other point I was going to make before. Um, it wasn't going to come out in the case of my parents. They, like many, many uh, people who went through the Holocaust in different ways, and I, I didn't explain before, but my father survived by escaping eastwards to Russian-controlled Poland and eventually spent most of the war in Russia doing forced labour and various other things. But this was never going to appear. My parents never talked about it, which is a very common story. But, you know, pressure built up over the years for them to tell their stories and Mum at one stage was contacted by a journalist for The Age and she finally consented to talk about it and um, she elaborated on that a bit but it was very, very hard to get her to. And my father finally wrote his part of the memoir consciously for family. That was the only reason it was ever done and that was over 20 years ago. But the interesting thing is that when I was growing up and when my brother was growing up, and my brother was eight years younger, again, this is a common story, we really didn't know a lot of the details. My parents wouldn't speak about it. We knew that they, in particular my mother, had been very deeply traumatised by our experiences, but we didn't know the details of it. But we were just very conscious of this very dark cloud. And as time went by and I learnt more about what the Holocaust meant and so on, of course it became... Um, a very big background thing, I suppose you could call it. And it became a kind of very influential biographical fact in my development. Tell me, when you, you, you've you been to Europe where all these things happened... Yes and no. When you went, what was, what was your reaction? Well, if I can explain, I'm a publisher, as you said, so... I'm an international, internationally oriented publisher. I buy books from overseas. I try to sell books overseas. Um, if you're that kind of publisher, you have to go to the major book fairs. There are two major book fairs. One is in London, mm-hmm. and six months later, there's one in Frankfurt, the Frankfurt Book Fair. Well, for many years, I could not bring myself to go to Frankfurt, even though I knew I should. I needed to. And the reason I couldn't go was really very simple. I, I couldn't bear the thought of hearing German spoken. I thought, if I go to that country and I hear Jim has spoken, I will erupt. You know, I'll, I'll, I won't be able to control myself. I'll, I'll start thinking about what their parents did during the war. I'll hate the sound of the language. It'll be unbearable for me. And, you know, I finally managed to start going in the early 2000s and I've been going every year since. And, and I do regret that I had that view, but I, I did have it. And for the same kind of reasons, I've never been to Poland and I don't think I ever will, although I'm my children, I think, would like me to, and my wife would like me to. 
but I'm one of that generation. It's a very old phrase now. It's not. It's almost a cliche. To me, Poland is a vast Jewish graveyard, and I'm embittered about um, uh, continuing Polish anti-Semitism. And I hear all the stories about the revival of Polish culture and so on. But to me, it's a Disneyland Jewish culture. It's kitsch because it's no longer threatening and it's a tourist attraction that it exists in a country like Poland. But, um, I mean, the Poles were so terrible during the war, and this is now not politically correct to say, they were, they were more ferocious in many cases than the Germans were. And after the war, they were furious about the fact that some Jews had survived, which is why the Jews who had survived got as far out away from Poland as they could. So I've never been to Poland I go to Frankfurt and I will say my, my one of my early experiences there was to go to the Jewish cemetery in Frankfurt and that is astonishing. It's got a wall which goes around the cemetery for a long distance and in it are these little plaques with the names of Jewish people who perished during the Holocaust. It is just staggering to see the number of them. Tell me about the process of writing the book. Well, it, it was more or less... My mother had, through gritted teeth, you know, produced this consented to do this interview with the aid journalist so that was a kind of core document mm-hmm. and um, she then agreed to do a little bit more but it really was like you know drawing blood from a stone it was just incredibly difficult I and my brother were on my parents to write down their experiences because we just felt it was so precious and my father sat down said he would so he wrote his which is a lot longer than my mother's um, and she wrote hers and he, I think, tinkered with it a little bit. And then I helped him work on it. Uh, Unfortunately, he was suddenly diagnosed with cancer around that time and I was helping him work on it when he was dealing with treatment. He died terribly quickly and it was just awful. He'd been a healthy man all his life. Um, So it was originally just produced literally as a family keepsake or for close friends in tiny numbers, it was reprinted a few times. And I always wanted to bring it to the general public, but my brother was always sensitive about it because he said, look, it's, it's an intimate tale, particularly my mother's, and it's not meant for the general public. And I didn't want to upset him. I didn't want to upset anybody, you know, in doing it. And very hard to talk to my mother about it. She was very traumatised. Again, when my father died, they'd been together 50 years, really. Um... So it was just in abeyance, but every now and again I'd come back to it and I started mentioning it to my mother not very long ago, two or three years ago, and to my great surprise she said, Henry, you should publish it. The, the world has to hear these stories. And I said, well, I've always thought that, but I could never get agreement. She said, well, I think you should do it. So I high-tailed to my brother, whose name's John. I said, John, Mum wants me to do this. He said, what, really? I said, yes. He didn't believe me. I said, ask her yourself. So he did, she repeated it to him, so he came back to me and said, OK, do it. So, in fact, um, John was a tremendous help to me in the book. He, he's a sort of... He should have been an academic, I think, he never was. He did incredible research, because they wrote all this from memory, mm. and he fact-checked, which is a mild way of putting it, every phrase, every fact in that manuscript. So if, if my father wrote that the distance between two towns was 15 kilometres... He checked it on Google Earth or whatever, and he said that Henry was actually 19 kilometres. She'll have to fix this. There might have been a date in it. John checked, and it was wrong. So basically, 
Um, I did very light, a very light copy edit. John did the fact check, and John also suggested a number of um, explications or elaborations, which I've put in the text as footnotes, just various points where it felt like for people who weren't inward with the story, it would help them to hear what a particular reference meant. What are you reading at the moment, Henry? Well, um, because I'm kind of busy a lot of the time, I tend to read books where either publishing or we're hoping to publish so um, I don't have a lot of time for books that my competitors publish Mm. Um, but I will say that in preparing for um, a similar session at the Byron Bay Writers Festival um, I read a terrific book by an American Jewish writer called uh, is it Roger Cohen? Uh, New York Times uh, writer He's written a fantastic book about his mother and his family. They came from Lithuania. That's a terrific book. And I've got to say, I've read quite a lot of the guy I'm in a session with here, Bram Presser, and that's a remarkable work. I think that is going to be an outstanding book. What's your relationship like with Judaism, being the Sydney Jewish Writers Festival? That, that, that's a very rude and good question. <laughs> um, I'm a sort of renegade. Um, I, I was sort of psychologically um, pushed out of the Jewish community many years ago when I was a teenager and I was a, a, I was even a journalist and a writer and editor then and there was a, a famous play at the time um, about the Pope during the war mm-hmm. and it accused the Pope of all sorts of perfidy and it was very popular with Jews in America and Australia and I went to see it Rolf Hocher was the author and I thought it was an appalling play. Mm. And I wrote a critique of it in a Melbourne University outlet. And this was picked up by a woman who was very well known in Melbourne at the time called Pamela Ruskin. She had a column in the Jewish News. And she more or less wrote a column saying, how dare this young upstart criticise this really important book which says very important things about you know the role of the Catholic Church during the war. And I more or less thought then... If that's what you think, I don't want any part of you. If, if there's no role for saying the truth or having your opinion, um, sorry, you, you, you as a representative of the establishment Jewish community and I part ways. And that's really how important it was to me. Um, you know, my father was very involved in the Jewish community. He was involved in the, in the Jewish school. He was treasurer for a while. Uh, my brother taught at that school. My brother actually edited the Yiddish section of the Jewish news for some years. Mm-hmm. Um, emotionally, of course, I'm Jewish and I'm very interested in Jewish uh, stories and Jewish history and uh, what's going on in Israel. But the, the conventional community, I mean, I feel in a way the, that what I noticed then uh, was sort of prescient because over the years that community has become much more conservative, much more reactionary, much more religious, and I can't identify with those attitudes at all. I know there are people like me who are sort of still in there, but they live on that side of the Yarra, and I don't. So, you know, what can I say? I still have Jewish friends. I still have non-Jewish friends. I'm an atheist. Uh, You know, I'm a strange kind of cultural Jew. Henry Rosenblum, thanks for being part of the podcast. Pleasure. I look forward to seeing what comes from you and from Scribe soon. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the 2017 Shalom Sydney Jewish Writers Festival. To find out more about Shalom's exciting programs and events, go to www.shalom.edu.au or like us on Facebook at Shalom Australia. Are you interested in getting a podcast made for your company or organisation? Contact Rob at rob at etals, etales.com.au or 0404 289 956.